We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of Buzz Beat, I recap the 119-97 Hornets victory over the Wizards and take a quick look at the initial all-star voting results that were released a handful of days ago. All that up next. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh! What's up, everyone, and welcome to another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and I'll be going solo today on the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed the Super Bowl as well as the Hornets game earlier on Sunday. And speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, I was listening to the old man in the three the other day, JJ Reddick's podcast. And if you guys listen to their episodes, you know that at the end of each episode, they always have a top five draft on any specific category. The most recent one they did was top five Super Bowl snacks. And I was thinking about this the other day. Like if, if I had my full option of everything that I could pick and I could only pick three snacks to have at a, at a Super Bowl watching party, to me, I think it would have to be wings. I think it would have to be chips and guacamole and probably uh, buffalo chicken dip as well. So th- those three things, that's pretty much all I would need. Obviously, I, I take a little bit of everything when I'm – you know, watching the Super Bowl and, and eating way too much food and way too many snacks. So, yeah, that, that was an interesting episode. Uh, Mike Conley was on it. Uh, I was listening to it not only for the top five draft, but also because the Hornets were playing the Jazz uh, Friday night. So listening a little bit about Mike Conley's background and and playing with the Memphis Grizzlies and the, the grit and grind days, he talks a lot about that. So let's transition over to the Hornets. This was actually a rescheduled game, by the way. I think the Hornets were supposed to play the Trailblazers, I believe, but when the Wizards were having their issues fielding a team earlier because of, of COVID, uh, that's also, if you remember, when Charlotte had like a week off from games where it just felt like it was a, an all-star break in the middle of the, the season uh, when it shouldn't have been. But heading into the game, Hornets got some good news on the injury front where P.J. Washington was back and reinserted into the starting lineup. Graham was still out, though, uh, with the left groin strain. And then Washington, on the other hand, coming into the game, 
They had lost seven of their last 10, and they came into the game with the third worst record in the NBA. Another thing to note, kind of heading into the game, and maybe a reason as to why Borrego pulled out the zone defense at points, Washington was 29th in the league in rim and three-point frequency combined, taking just 61% of their field goals from those areas on the court. They like to live in the mid-range. They're not a team that that takes a lot of three-point shots. So Borrego was going to force them to do that, to try to beat the Hornets from deep, and they were unable to do that. Uh, on the game, the Wizards only shot 23% from behind the arc, took 43 pointers, only made nine of them. But yeah, I mean, this makes a whole lot of sense with this team. They like to live in the mid-range, and they got players like Westbrook and maybe an eventual all-star and Bradley Beal, and you got Ish Smith. All these players you know, play into that, that statistic there. The game was a little bit different as the Hornets played some zone, uh, and they definitely forced the Wizards to take some three-point shots. Uh, so they weren't really living in the mid-range like they normally do. So, and just a couple of points on this game. First quarter, Cody Zeller comes out, scores the first nine points for Charlotte, even hitting a three-point shot where the defender was like at the free-throw line extended, just giving him all the room in the world. I've said this before, but it doesn't feel like Cody Zeller's ever going to develop a three-point shot. And he's going to see plenty of those defenses where they are just dropping on him. And he's going to have plenty of opportunity to make shots like that. I don't think this is going to become a thing. I mean, I think he shot three three-pointers in this game, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously only making one of them. And he's going to continue to see those looks. I, I, I just wish that was part of his development, that he actually made three-pointers at a decent clip because there are times where he just looks hesitant to shoot it, and that's why defenses do back up the way that they do. But it's good to see him make a three. Uh, he even looked over at the at the bench when he made it. It was his first three-point shot of the season. Borrego talked a lot about this in the post-game interview, but he thought the defense, especially in quarters two, three, and four, were, were really good. One player that I don't think gets enough credit on that end is Terry Rozier. Had some really good activity, good on-ball defense that he had on Beal early on, fighting through screens. And we've seen this before where he picks up like three-quarters court and, and just tries to pressure the opposing guard that way. So he is tasked with that, and he's up for that. He pulls off the, you know, the one-man press at times. And while he did such a great job of shooting the ball – and, you know, in the pull-up mid-range, he was killing it from behind the arc. You can't overlook his scrappiness on the defensive side. He's not the perfect player, but there was a lot of good activity and just good effort from him, especially what I noted in the first half. LaMelo Ball, once again, had an amazing game. Played 30 minutes, was 7 of 17 from the field, had 19 points. Five assists and seven rebounds. That just feels like a stat line that LaMelo Ball will or can consistently put up. He killed it in the second quarter. I'll have to look to see how many points he scored, but he was pulling up from deep range from behind the arc. He even hit one off the catch where he inserted it into Washington at the high post. He got the pitch back and shot it for three. He was finishing at the rim. That's something that is clearly taking a step up in the past handful of games. He started the season pretty poor uh, around the rim, but 
He has those inside hand finishes. We've talked about his crazy long floaters before, but that is something that when he adds that to his game, the defenses don't know what to do because he's he's not he's not shy about taking shots from, you know, 28 feet from the rim. But if you go out and guard him, he's going to drive and then that gives him the ability to dump it off to his teammates, which clearly he's shown to do at an amazing rate. But also now that he's finishing at the rim with either hand and the crafty finishes, now clearly he's not equipped so much to finish through contact right now. But adding those different pieces and those different levels of his game where he can score, it's only going to make him more of a a factor on the offensive side of the court, one in which he already is because of his passing and facilitating ability. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then you got Malik Monk, uh, who's who's working his way back into the rotation against the Wizards. He played 32 minutes, which is Great to see. We don't know how that's going to start to shift in the opposite direction, maybe when Devontae Graham comes back, but that's a conversation for a different day. Now, Monk, on the other hand, we just talked about LaMelo's rim finishing. Monk, on the other hand, he was known as this guy that could finish at the rim through contact, even some wild finishes that he had last season, up and unders. That is something that is not translating this year. And you can maybe point to the inconsistent play and not having that trust with the coaching staff on being out there for extended periods of time. I would think that would kind of trend back into the direction of finishing around the rim at a pretty high clip for Monk, but that's been an issue so far uh, in his last handful of games that he's played since re-entering the rotation. But outside of that, he was fairly effective scoring the ball. He was four of 11, two of five from deep, There was this one play where he missed a shot at the rim, stole, or maybe got the offensive rebound over Lynn. He pulls it out, does a couple dribble moves, and pulls up for a long two-pointer. And that's interesting to me because in years past, where he would be converting is at the rim, and where he wouldn't be converting is off the dribble in the mid-range. So that whole play is just a completely reverse of what we've seen in the past. And that offensive rebound that I talked about, that was a big theme for the Hornets against the Wizards. A lot of second chance points. I believe they had 14 second chance points at half. And then the last player that that I want to speak to 
is Gordon Hayward. And I'll, I'll keep it simple here, but we've, we've talked about him before in terms of with this offense being very pass heavy, you still need a player that can go get you a bucket when you need it. When things start to slow down or when you want to slow down the offense, Hayward does all that for you. We saw it consistently throughout the game, but the, the third quarter, if you want to watch a specific quarter, he scored 11 points in that quarter, finishing off jab steps, pumps, spins. He even had three bank shots go in through the course of the game. And I actually asked JB about his game, and you'll hear his response here in a second, but you'll also get the full audio of the post-game interview here soon. But Gordon Hayward is going to be a borderline all-star player this year. He's been a pleasant surprise. I'm sure he surprised a lot of fans uh, in the way that he can play, but just his ability to slow down the game and to think through the game is, is really a boon for this team. But in a system in which Borrego likes to preach passing and moving the ball and, and getting easy looks, it's still nice to have a player like Gordon Hayward go get you five, six, seven, eight straight points from the mid-range when you actually need it, or if it's late in the shot clock, or if it's late in the game. All right, guys, to recap again, the Hornets won. They are now at 11-13. and 13. For the rest of the episode, you will hear from Borrego and what he said after the game, and then you'll get my thoughts on the likelihood that Gordon Hayward is a Eastern Conference All-Star. JB, um, I remember all the way back to minicamp, um, Terry saying he thought it was really important this season that he be really steady, that he lead, that he is more than just taking care of himself. With all the other change, how has that worked out this season? Terry's had a great year. He's been, you know, got off to a really good start, handling himself in a very professional manner, came back better, came back more aggressive. I like him offensively. He's moving the ball, sharing the ball. His shot making was big tonight, but his playmaking as well. I mean, he's really matured in his playmaking ability. He's handled the two spot tonight. Obviously, we needed him at the one. He handled it with poise and grace and um, really proud of him. But and every night we take it for granted, but he sets the tone for us defensively. You know, he's up on the ball. Uh, he hawks that ball for us, sets the tone. And to me, that was the difference tonight was our defense. Is it an easy thing to know that he can adapt to adapt to it when you ask him to do a bunch of different things? Yeah, he's very versatile, Rick. I mean, you know, in, in last year, you know, he played a lot of ones, so he has that ability to to switch over. And I think that really set the tone for him this year as far as playmaking was having that, that ball in his hands a lot more last season. He's grown, Rick. I think the biggest thing is he's just grown. He's gotten better. I trust him with the ball and off the ball, and I trust him defensively. And he should trust himself. I mean, he's having a major impact on our program. Thank you. Hey, JB, congrats on the win. Uh, obviously, a lot of goodness when you had a franchise record for rebounds, I think 67 points in the last three quarters. Is there anything in particular that you were uh, more pleased with in any, any other area today in the win? The defense. The defense. I mean, that's where it starts and ends for us. For us to climb the rankings in this in this conference, in this league, we got to defend every single night. Last two teams we played, they're elite, you know, and we're going to learn something from those two games. Um, but I expected our guys to come in with the right mindset defensively. They set the tone from the start. Did not have a great first quarter, but from then on, 21, 21, 24, that's got to be the, the program every single night. 
Thank you. And the board as well, to your, to your point. I didn't answer your board question, but I thought part of that deal was uh, taking care of the board. Go to Scott Fowler. Uh, Coach, can you speak to the differences in styles of Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball, who both get a lot of things done out there, but in very different ways? Yeah, I think Gordon's more, I mean, obviously the, the game feels a little bit slower for for Gordon. You know, he plays at a different pace. Uh, he, you can't speed him up. He's, he plays at his own rhythm. Melo puts the pressure on on teams. He, he's the catalyst for a lot of our pressure on, on teams. He's always at the line of scrimmage. He's always in that two-minute drill, you know, is LaMelo. And that's good for us. We need that. He, he keeps the pace. He keeps the pressure. And especially in the half court, Gordon's ability to slow down, see the game, read the game, not be phased by different defenses. I think it's a really good combination of the two. You know, one is, is keeping us, you know, pushing the pace and, and moving it forward and constant pressure on the defense. And the other one's just ready to attack. Let's go to Rod and then Richie. Hey, JB, you guys are now 9-0 when you go to the fourth quarter with the lead in a game. Um, what's happening um, in your mind in the fourth quarter, close these games out? And as a young team, uh, how do you, I guess, build upon that to show the guys how the importance of a fourth quarter lead is for you guys uh, to win these games? Well, that's a good stat. I didn't know it, but it, feel, it feels that way. When it's close, when we're tied in the fourth quarter, we're coming out on the, on the right side of this stuff. Um, and for whatever reason, we execute in the fourth, it's tight. We get good shots. We execute defensively. You know, we've been one of the better closing teams in this league and it's, that's not easy to do. I mean, you, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a job by a young team, you know, that for us to, to be able to close out these games, uh, in fourth quarters. Um, but you know, I think, I guess to answer your question, we, we got to get to the fourth quarter with the lead. That's the biggest thing right there. You know, get off to good starts, play well through three quarters. Fourth quarter, we're a good closing team. So um, I'm really just proud of their, their, their effort tonight. The guys were fantastic. They were professional today. They came in with the right mindset for 48 minutes. Even though we weren't perfect, I thought the mindset was there for 48 minutes. Hey, JB, um, kind of going off Scott's question here, how, how important is Gordon Hayward's shot-making ability for your team and – I know he's the oldest on your team, but would you equate his skills to have some old man game in him? He does have some old man game in him. <laughs> you know, part of it, you know, he'll get you, if you went to the wide, Richie, you'd get back cut out of, from, from a guy like Gordon, right? He's going to find a back cut, something easy to the rim. Um, you can't really, you can't pressure him. You can't get him out of his comfort zone. Um, and he does have a little bit of an old man game at times, but um you know, it really helps us in the in the half court, Richie. That's the biggest thing. He can make plays in the half court at the elbow, off pick and roll, off cuts. Uh, obviously, we posted him some throughout, and we move him around. But it's a credit to him. He's a versatile player. You know, he's a, he's an extremely versatile player that can get his own shot or create for others. So, um, yeah, it's a luxury. It's a luxury to have. But I thought he was great tonight again. When we needed a bucket, he found a bucket. You know, whether it was at the rim or on a back cut. Really good performance by him again. Thank you. Let's go to Charles. Yes. Hi. Uh, congratulations for the for that win. Um, during the first quarter, we saw that uh, the pace was really increased. Was was it uh, part of the game plan to increase that pace uh, on on uh, on the offensive side and maybe uh, 
try to uh, try to force some sh uh, some shots uh, to uh, uh, for the Wizards. Yeah, you know, we, as you follow us, I mean, we try to play with pace every night. You know, we're playing a lot faster, and um, the first quarter is the one that at times we 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 don't have that same pace. And I give Lamelo and Terry and Gordon a lot of credit. And Zeller, I got to put him in that category as well. In that first quarter, they kept the pace, even early game, early start, first quarter. We wanted to keep the pressure on on Washington. When we come out sluggish, we're a little bit slow out the gate. We're not pushing the tempo. To answer your question, we were much more aggressive tonight with our pace, especially early. I think it gets us going. It gets the ball moving. It gets us some easy attacks on the rim and kick out three. So. Uh, that was a big part of getting us going was our pace offensively. Thanks. Let's go to, let's go to Danny. Coach Danny Thompson with a three-point conversion. Going into tonight's game, uh, the team had been probably the second worst team when it comes to allowing points in the second quarter. Tonight, you guys were plus 12. How do you, how does it feel, number one, to be up plus 12? And how good is it to get the team going at halftime when you're not giving up as many points as you normally have been in the second quarter? Our whole thing at the second and third quarter was our defense. I mean, that was the, that was the mentality from the start. In the, in the huddle and the timeout, we said, let's get more stops. Let's get greedy. Our guys are buying into it, this. They're, they're more committed on the defensive end. And it showed 21-21 out of the second and third quarter. That's where it's got to start for us every single night. Defensively, we got to get stops. When we get stops, we got a chance to score. If we're taking it out of the net, it's going to be slugfest in the half court. For us, we want to get stops, get out, run, play with our pace, and uh, and make good decisions there. And I think that's what you saw in the second and third quarter. Let's go to Christos and wrap up with Richard. Hello, Coach. Congratulations on the win. Hi, good to see you. How important for you is to carry on the momentum of that win? And do you believe this it was the most completed performance of the season so far? I thought it was a 48-minute performance and what I said last game we played a very good Utah team maybe the best team in the league right now our second half was a good second half and we built on that we you know we we found some rhythm we found some um you know there were some positives that came out of that second half and I just wanted to carry that momentum over into this game so that's what we talked about um, I've seen growth even though we didn't win those last two games there was a lot of growth there and I think tonight you saw a sample of of this team stepping up, getting better on both ends of the floor. But I think this game really started in the second half of the Utah game. Uh, Coach Brego, Rich Walker, KarenLawSportsHub.com. Talk about P.J. getting back into the lineup and kind of what you saw from him today. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't shoot the ball great, 28 minutes. Um, we didn't get him a ton of touches, but it was great to have him back out there. You know, P.J.'s big for us. We need his versatility. Um, it settles our, our lineup. It settles our bench. It gives us rhythm. Uh, he did play some five out there as well. So I think he'll be even better tomorrow night. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the episode with some quick talk about the the all-star voting here. So the first fan voting came out the other day and Gordon Hayward came in at number nine for the Eastern Conference front court players. They kind of done away with, you know, the centers and the forwards and the guards. It's just two separate categories. You got the front court and you got the guards, and right now Gordon Hayward is sitting at number nine. Now, if there is a all-star game, or if there's not, I don't think, you know, if I had to put money on it, I don't believe Gordon Hayward will make that game, uh, but I do think that there 
could be a case to be made for him, you know, at least being that last player rostered uh, on this team. So I got first, first place I want to start is whether or not we think that this game should go on. And I was a little bit confused as to, you know, this news coming out that there would be an all-star game because in the beginning of the, uh, the season, there was an all-star break, but there was no mention of an all-star game. Right now, uh, they're hoping to get an all-star game in Atlanta where they're going to be bringing, obviously, players from multiple teams uh, to one location. To be honest, I I thought that this all-star break would have been a good time or a good opportunity to give players five, six days off so that they can recuperate, rest up for the second half of the schedule, especially considering a lot of these players have been playing basketball for what seems like forever, right? So with these shortened off season with these playoff teams and the, and the players that are actually going to be participating in these games are, are typically the ones that are also going to be competing for the playoffs or just came off a season in which they competed for the playoffs. So my, my personal thoughts are, I don't think the game should happen, but I'm not now starting to believe that the chances of it taking place is more likely than I thought a couple of days ago. So we will see. We will see. Just to give you guys a rundown, and we'll just focus on the Eastern Conference real quick in terms of the front court because that's where Gordon Hayward is listed when you go to vote for him. Kevin Durant uh, of the Nets actually was the top vote-getter altogether uh, in either conference. He's number one. Then you have Giannis Antetokounmpo at number two. You have Embiid at three. Jason Tatum at four. Butler at five. Bam Adebayo at six. Sabonis at seven, Julius Randle at number eight, right ahead of Gordon Hayward. So for Hayward to actually make the all-star team, all-star game, depending on if the game exists or not, he's probably going to have to be in that top six or seven spots there um, in terms of just receiving that recognition. I don't believe they're going to be bringing nine front court players uh, because that doesn't leave a lot for the guard spot, obviously. I, I think it's might lean heavier towards the front court just because when you look at the positions, there are more front court players with both forwards in the center position. So it might lean heavier on that end in terms of uh, you know the splits between the front court players and the guards that are being brought to the All-Star game. But still having said that, he's going to have to get up there in the top six or seven spots. Even if he does pass Julius Randle and, you know, either the fans eyes or, you know, in the coach's perspective, that still only puts him at number eight and having that conversation, whether or not he deserves to be over any of these other players is going to be a tough one to make. I think you can make the argument that he should be above Julius Randle. Now, Julius Randle is having a really good season. When you look at just some of the counting stats, comparing him to Gordon Hayward, really the only thing that's, that's separating the two is Julius Randle, you know, basically doubling the rebounds versus Hayward. But that's that's never been, you know, Hayward's game. He, he's been the scorer. He's been the facilitator. He's come in on this Hornets team, and he's done a lot of those things, and he's done it at a very efficient rate. So to me, I would have Hayward over Julius Randle in terms of just where I, I would rank them and stack them up. But having said that, I don't know if that's going to be enough to get him to the all-star game or or being nominated for an all-star front court position. I put out a stat just to kind of give you a heads up and a barometer of where Hayward is when it comes to 
some some of his shooting proficiencies in the NBA. So of players that take at least three field goals in the restricted area and three field goals in the mid-range, I'm going to run down these list of percentages, and there is only four NBA players that fit this criteria. So in the restricted area, you've got to be at or above 60%. In the mid-range, at or above 45%. In the corners, at or above 55%. And then an above-the-break three-pointer, at or above 35%. So when you factor in all of those things, plus the three field goal attempts per uh, game in the restricted area in the mid-range, Hayward is one of four NBA players, along with Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, those two I just mentioned, and then you also have Paul George, who's also going to be, or also should be, an all-star as well. So very good company that Hayward is in. I think the Hornets, you know, I don't know if I would say surprise, totally outright surprise, but I think they're pleasantly surprised with the way that he's been playing and the leadership aspect that he's given to this team and just the calmness that he plays with. That stuff is, is you know, immeasurable. You can't, you can't count that in, in the stats, but I don't think necessarily Gordon Hayward cares if he gets an all-star nod here, but he is playing like an all-star, at least kind of in that top 10 range for forwards in the Eastern Conference. So he'll be in the conversation. And like I said, I don't believe he'll actually make it. But I, I do think there's a conversation that has to be had. And, you know, maybe maybe you think that he's better, that he's been better than Julius Randle. Or maybe you think he's been better than, than Jimmy Butler. You know, there's conversations to be had with all of these players. But he's probably going to be on the outside looking in. All right, guys, thanks again for listening to another BuzzBeat. If you are listening right now and haven't given us a review on Apple Podcast, we'd appreciate it if you could. It takes all of 30 seconds. I'm Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.